1960, get you know, for the older crowd, in 1960, the Shirelles asked, will you still love me tomorrow? Yep, y'all know, you ought to know that one too. 1964, the Supremes asked, where did our love go? Now, personally, I'll go ahead and admit it, one of my favorites, in, 1990, in 1977, the Bee Gees asked, how deep is our love, how deep? I right, need that high note from Maurice. 1991, Bonnie Raitt sang, I can't make you love me if you don't. I can't make your heart feel something it won't. Okay, so y'all know that. 1984, Tina Turner asked, What's love got to do with it? I mean, see, I mean, our, our world, there, it. It's a struggle to try to figure out love. They're trying to find it. They want to understand it. How do I know if it's going to be there? How do I know if it's going to go away? How do I? And, and then finally, you just reach that point of the Tina Turner side, and you go, well, what's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? Oh. Huh. Our world struggles to grasp and understand the concept of love. Most often, love gets defined within a context of romance, attraction, feelings, emotion, flowers, gifts. And honestly, in our world today, really, love somehow gets condensed down to just being sex. That's right. That's what you see on TV. That's what, you, that's what, that's what books are coming out about. It's promoting the idea that this is love. And it's not love. That's, that's not the definition of, of love. Uh, I, now, hey, I, Caleb laughed at me yesterday because I made the comment to him. I said, I'm a romantic at heart, and he just started dying laughing. You know, that's what you get 16-year-old kids, you know. You, but I was talking about the, the concept of that, you know, romance is, is a part of what we experience in our lives and, and with love. But you know what? If that was the definition of love, then how would you speak to people like Paul and some of these others that then live life as a single? You can't, well, well, then obviously romance is not really a definition of love because then there are people that commit their lives to service and ministry or whatever else and, and, and don't ever experience marriage and, and they don't have romance and, and flowers and all that stuff. They have to be able to know love though, don't they? They have to be able to know Love, so it can't just be in those things. The, the real main reason that our world struggles with defining and understanding love, though, is because it starts from the wrong perspective. Come on, that's right. It starts from the wrong perspective. We've commercialized love so much. I mean, right now, Valentine's Day, think about it. These candy folks and all that stuff, man, they love Valentine's Day. I mean, because they, they put the commercial. I remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid in school, and and uh, you know you had your little Valentine's Day at school, and I've been I've been watching. You weren't supposed to bring them, you know, because then teachers figured out that you know right that you'd bring them just for a couple. But you always had you know that little special person sometimes, and and you'd be trying to convince somebody in the family to buy you that little 
that little heart-shaped box that had about like six pieces of candy in it or something, because that's about all you could, you know, you could get. And if and if you were in about fourth or fifth grade or something like that, and and some girl got one of those big boxes, I mean, every other, you know, you felt about that tall, you know, because somebody had some money, bought that big box and brought it, and and then she was, oh, look at this. Feel like a jump. <laughs> See, it, we really commercialized all it. Love got commercialized into being something that was about spending money. It was about uh, what what you could pay for. It was about what you could give. It was all of those things, and and really, it became a lot like that. Christmas has become, even Easter has become. Um, these events that are supposed to remind us, uh, we're not going to go through the story today, but there's an actual story behind Valentine's, Valentine's Day, guys. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, um, a religious meaning behind all of that. But this stuff gets lost because we allow the world to hijack things that have meaning and have importance for people who are followers of Christ. But the world starts from this wrong perspective. And in 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and verses 16, we see this important statement, something profound. And it says this in both of those verses. It makes this clear. God is love. God is love. Not, not some emotion. Not, and, and like I said, now you understand the reason I said that Caleb was laughing at me because of me saying totally miles romantic at heart is because uh, there's a lot of things that come out as we love people and as we interact with people but that's not the definition of it it's not the definition of love it's that's not what it is god is love so if god is love then god defines the way of love he defines the way that love gets demonstrated. So we're going to take a few moments. We're going to go through a series of scriptures to understand what does the Bible say about love. And we're going to start with one of the most familiar passages, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. John chapter 15, verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. All right, understand that. God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes shouldn't perish. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. And remember, we just talked over the last several weeks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And, and the, the lawyer that ends up asking Christ says, well, wait a minute, who is my neighbor? Who is the neighbor? And Jesus goes through this example that we know is the story of the Good Samaritan and displays the concept that your neighbor is everyone who is around you, and particularly those who are in need. But he says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You know, here's an interesting thing about that verse. When we 
often hear people talk about that we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. You know, that, that through Christ that we've moved out from... But yet Christ said that I did not come to destroy the law. He didn't come to destroy it, but that through Him the law might be fulfilled. Now, I want you to see this little circular reference here. So, the law was there to point us to Christ. Christ didn't come to destroy the law, but that through Him the law might be fulfilled. Christ being part of the Godhead, part of God. God is love, and love is the fulfillment of the law. God was love. He sent Christ. Christ fulfilled the law. And so when we then exist within Christ and exist within the love of Christ, which includes doing no wrong to our neighbors. Think about this. If you really established in your life that I am not going to do wrong to my neighbor, your spouse is your neighbor. Your neighbor is your neighbor. The guy that doesn't live anywhere near you is your neighbor. In the biblical sense, that is your neighbor. You walk out here and we go to this service station, that's your neighbor. You drive up from here to Washington. That's your neighbor. We really don't get to exclude anybody. We don't get to exclude people that we don't like. We don't get to exclude people that don't do things the way we think they ought to do them. We don't get to exclude people that don't look like us, that don't dress like us, act like us, smell like us, talk like us, live like us. Amen. Do no wrong to your neighbor, and therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. All those verses right there come together to show that love is demonstrated through a willingness to sacrifice and a desire to protect the interests of others. See, when you decide you're not going to do wrong to your neighbor, if you're not going to do wrong to them, it's because you're protecting their interest. You're protecting what is best for them. You're protecting what is, is meaningful and important to them because you love them. Because the love of God then is in your heart. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 16, we've read some of this recently. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I'm commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth, with all that is in it. Yet the Lord has set His heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after Him. You above all peoples as you are this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. We're going to talk here in just a moment about that love is at odds with being stubborn. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Now, people often misunderstand this, the last portion of this scripture, and it's used a lot of times in the concept of cessation and a lot of other things, but we know that knowledge is not, uh, in, in this world, it's not like all of a sudden everybody's going to not have any knowledge. We know that it's not going to be um, 
uh, that, that all of the prophecies of the Word are all of a sudden going to go away. But when the fullness is come, but when we pass from this life, when Christ returns and establishes His order, then all the prophecies will be fulfilled. There will be no more knowledge to be gained because we will be made like Him and we will, this corruptible will put on incorruptible. This mortal will put on immortality. There won't be any need for any idea of, of any gifts or anything like that within the Spirit because that there will be now full knowledge of, by people. There will be uh, God having delivered to us these immortal bodies and, and the change when we're all made different. So it's not talking about here in this life. The point that it is making is that even after Christ returns and all of these temporal things go away, love never ends. For all of eternity, love will exist. Love will be there because God is love. But if we just went through this list, if we just stopped and said today, because hey, I, I, I hope you, you probably, uh, in some fashion, you've probably done something. I even called my mom today and told my mom happy Valentine's Day. It was her birthday yesterday. I sent her some flowers. I was proud of showing Sean flowers. But I called her today, tell her happy Valentine's Day, first thing this morning. She was getting ready for church and, you know, getting ready to go lead choir and, and all of that stuff. And so I was telling her, Happy Valentine's Day. So you probably have something planned where I hope that if you're, if you're married or you're dating or whatever, that you've already told somebody Happy Valentine's Day today. As in every day, I hope you tell them that you love them. I don't get many amens when I say stuff like that. It's, it's like... But what if we went back and we said on a daily basis, what I'm going to try to operate within is I want my life to represent these things and not just in love for a spouse, not just in love for, a children, for our children, but love for people, for our neighbors, for those that are around us. Because we've got to break out of that mindset that love is just about the romantic stuff. Love is God. God is love. So this is what he says. Take the, you can take the word love out for a moment and, and you need to say, you, you can insert that I am supposed to be, and we could go through this list, I am supposed to be patient. I'm supposed to be kind. I'm not supposed to envy and I'm not supposed to boast. I'm not supposed to be arrogant and I'm not supposed to be rude. I should not insist on my own way. I should not be irritable or resentful. And I should not rejoice at wrongdoing, but I should rejoice with the truth. I need to bear all things. I need to believe all things. I need to hope all things. And man, I even need to endure all things. Because quite honestly, God never ends. Love is demonstrated through patience and right attitudes toward both God and toward others. Amen. It's demonstrated. It's just one thing for us to say that we love somebody. It's one thing for us to say that, that God loves somebody. It's one thing for us to say we love God. But how does that get demonstrated? 
Saying stuff is easy, right? I mean, there's people that say things. I mean, we're seeing it right now. Cut on the television. It doesn't matter. Pick a party. You know, it, it, we're seeing stuff said that, that we all sit and listen to the political debates right now and hear things said and go, they don't mean that. They no more mean that. You know, when I, I'm, I, if I get elected, I'll do this. And in all honesty, sometimes we're sitting listening going, you don't even have the power to do that if you get elected in that. But, but what, so what? So what, saying things is easy. Saying stuff, it's easy to say the wrong stuff. It's easy to speak and say something that's harsh and say something that's condemning and something that is hurtful. And, and, and then we will defend it by saying, well, I was just, I couldn't help it. It was in the moment and they knew I didn't mean it. Yet the Word of God says that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Oh, oh that hurts, doesn't it? I mean, it does. See, if our heart is full of love, then as the old preacher used to preach revivals for my day, he said, he said, if it ain't in the well, it won't come up in the bucket. Doesn't matter what drops into your life when it comes back up. It's not coming up with that. If it's not in there, that was, that was just a countrified version of, of saying that what's in your heart is what your mouth speaks. If it ain't no well, it won't come up in a bucket. Love is demonstrated through our patience and our eyes. I'll be honest, this was, years ago, this was, this was the hardest one for me. This was the hardest one. I don't mind saying I love you and all that stuff. Every day before I leave and go to work, I make sure I go by, I give my wife a hug, I give my wife a kiss, and I tell her I love you. <laughs> Every day when I'm leaving. You never know. It could be your last day, right? Never know. Life's, life's short. But my, my struggle years ago was the patience in all of that, was being patient. Man, if... If we, if we didn't agree, if we weren't, man, I'd get impatient with that. And with other people. And, and she, you know, Michelle told me here a couple years ago, she said, something happened in that, and, and I don't even remember what it was. I just remember when I responded, that was over. You ever had one of those moments where you go, man, I did pretty good with that. <laughs> you had one of those? And, and, and when I, and I was like, I was, and it wasn't a, it wasn't one of those, proud, pat myself on the back. It was just like, hey, that was pretty good. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you've been getting, you, you've been really changing. You've been changing over years, getting more patient and mellowing out. Love is demonstrated through patience, right attitudes. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Listen to that. Above all, it's like you can serve one another, you can give to one another, you can do all this other stuff, but above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Look, as church folks all over this country today, all over the world, but especially all over the United States today, Church folks are going to walk in the doors and then they're going to walk out the doors and they're going to say certain things to each other all during this time period of their services today. 
They're going to walk in. They're going to have certain things. They're going to, oh, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good, doing fine. You know, whatever else. Y'all know, all right, so we, all that stuff where you're not really opening up. You're not really telling somebody what's really going on. It's, hey, I really want you to be praying for me. But you know the other thing that we're going to, say, we're going to do? We're going to hug people and we're going to go, man, I love you. Right? Because that's what we're supposed to say, right? We, we, we kind of got, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to hug each other and tell each other we love it. We can meet people for a first time in church and then hug them on the way out the door. Hey, love you. You don't even know them. I mean, you know, but, you, but we just say these words as if they're not powerful. Come on. Amen. I, I want it to be in my life and in, and in your lives, in our lives as a body of believers as we grow and as we move facilities and all that stuff. I want it to be where when we speak things like that to each other, that it means it. When we say, hey, saying I love you, man. Then if that means if you need me, then I'm going to love you in that moment. That means that, that when you're going through a difficulty, and I told you, Three days before, or somebody sitting in here told you three days before on something, hey, I love you. And then three days later, you're in need and you have a difficult situation and you you have something, you need somebody that loves you to come alongside. Then, hey, if I said it, then I need to mean it, right? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. You know what he just said? He just said, you know what? You're going to do stuff wrong in relation to each other. It's going to happen. You're going to make some mistakes with each other. Sometimes you're going to frustrate each other. Now this could be, this can be marriage, this could be church, this could be whatever it is where he's speaking to believers at this point. But he says, hey, there's going to be some sin, if you will, that happens. There are going to be some cross wires that, that occur. But if you love each other earnestly, then love will cover that. Amen. Love love's almost like insurance. It says, hey, you had a claim here. We had some damage, but, but love's going to repair it. Love's going to fix it. Because God is love. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. You know, if you ever stop sometimes and actually just read through the New Testament, read through these different passages, these guys, Paul and these different writers in the New Testament, repeatedly tell different churches the same thing. You know why? Because we all had the same problems. We all have the same problems. And our same problem is usually we have difficult. What usually creates problems for us in the body of Christ is really not the enemy outside. It's really not the culture. It's really not society. It's really not any of those things. That's not really what creates the problem inside the church. What normally creates the problems inside the church is when, A, we're not walking worthy of the calling that God has called us to, being bearers of the name of Christ, pursuing after Him, and that we don't walk with humility and gentleness, we don't walk with patience, and we don't bear with one another in love. The, when there's humility and gentleness, 
To me, humility says I don't think, as to use another biblical term, I don't think more highly of myself than I ought to. And so I, I'm, I'm humble. It doesn't mean that we become doormats to each other, but it means that we view each other without being self-exalted in a situation. So we walk with humility and then with gentleness. See, sometimes... You ever, have you ever had an animal that, that was a pet that you had and it got injured? You ever had one that got injured? Now, some people have these have pets that get injured and... And their, their pets, even though they're drastically hurt or whatever, they, they stay real gentle, okay? But I've had a couple that over the years when I was a kid, I always had a dog. I always had, dogs would like wander up to my parents' house and all of a sudden, three weeks later, they're my dog, you know? <coughs> and they'd stick around and mom would feed them. And, but had some get, get pretty bad hurt. Some of them were the ones that stayed gentle when they got hurt, but some of them, the minute you started reaching for that injured limb or whatever, at first, as a natural reaction, they'd snap. They'd, they'd, they'd bite. And then I've even seen, I've even, because I've always had dogs, you know. I, I think a cat's only good if it's in gravy, but I'm sorry for all the oh, 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 I'm sorry. Um, just kidding, just kidding. They're better without gravy. Um, no. But I, I, I always had dogs growing up, and and I've even seen where one, when it was injured, and it snapped, and then it realized that it didn't mean to do that. So what's the point of you talking about animals? Because you know what? Sometimes, as, as people in a body of believers, sometimes when we're hurt, it has nothing to do. The, the people around us had nothing to do with how we got hurt. That's right. They had nothing to do with it. We got hurt by something entirely different. But that initial reaction is, don't touch my hurt. Because I know when you do, it's going to hurt worse. When in reality, that person is attempting, they're going to help fix and heal you and, and solve this situation. Because until they can get a hold of it, and maybe, maybe it's got to be pulled, and, if it's, and it's got to be set, and it's got to be, and it's going to hurt for the moment. But, and, the, and, and so if we don't have gentleness... I said it before, the worst doctor that you can ever have is one that has a terrible bedside manner. Walk in, oh, you got a broke leg, you know, trying to, doesn't even warn you, you know, nothing. You just, you, you want that guy to, hey, be gentle. I understand you're going to have to do something to help me get repaired and healed, but, but be gentle. With all humility and gentleness, with patience. You know what? You, bearing with one another, this idea of loving each other, of loving people, requires us to be patient. Especially requires us to be patient in a, in a fellowship of believers because there will be folks that are at different stages in their spiritual life. And so if someone is, they, they've been serving the Lord for 30 years and, and they've conquered most of all their, their issues and bad habits and they really are, you know, very in tune with God. It, if they were to allow themselves to become impatient because a new believer 
is stumbling along and struggling through that stuff and falls down sometimes and needs somebody to help pick them up. And man, why are you falling down again? Remember when your kids were learning to walk? I mean, hopefully you weren't sitting there going, why do you keep falling down? (laughs) Why can't you walk? You were born two weeks ago. Come on. I mean, you you had patience, right? And remember what you would do? I mean, sometimes, guys, we've got to get these visuals. Remember what you would do? When they, that first time that they got themselves up and they was holding on to something and they they were doing the wobble like a weeble, but they don't fall down, what did you do? Right? See, okay, see, all the moms are like, yeah! You know, and all the dads like, yeah, you go, boy. You know, <laughs> patience will have us do that with our fellow believers that first time that they finally take a stand and they get themselves up. Then we would celebrate and we would encourage them. Man, that's great. That is fantastic. And in those first couple steps they took, what did you do? Oh, look, you, nowadays you're getting your phone out videoing. Look, there's two steps. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, do it again, do it again, do it again. I didn't have my camera out. You're not sitting there going, well, how come they couldn't run a marathon? You're going, look, the first couple of steps. You wrote it down, didn't you? You know, I remember Michelle, she's probably got all this stuff. I mean, she would she'd be writing stuff down. In, but that's before anybody, you know, was doing the concept of journaling. But, you know, in, the, in some baby books, oh, they did this on this day, you know. And, and man, it would have been so much easier when our kids were, were little if we'd have had these, you know, camera phones and all this stuff because you just had like a Polaroid or something. You know, whoosh, shake that thing out. What if, we, what if we really loved each other within the body of Christ that way? And new believers, we were excited and we were going, man, look, he took his first couple of steps in that area of his life. And we celebrated it. And we were, we were literally spiritually almost wanting to take pictures and tell each other and go, man, I'm so proud you know, of Joe Bob. He, he did this this week. And man, I'm just, you know, we've been looking forward to when that was going to happen. So, hey, Man, Sean, call him up and encourage him, buddy. And Shane, you know, when you see him, think of that. Patience. Bearing with one another in love. Proverbs 10, verse 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Those verses kind of sum up together. So love is demonstrated through forgiveness. Covers all offenses. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. We talked about it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Here's why he says, he said, let us love one another. Why? Because love is what comes from God. Luke chapter 6, verse 31, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. 
By the way, if anybody ever asks you if the golden rule is in the Bible, yes, it is. There it is. Doing to others, you'd have them doing to you. How would you want people to do in your moments of life? You would want them to show love, to show patience, to show humility, to show grace, to show mercy. So think about those, those three verses we traced. said, love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor. And he said, love one another because love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And then it says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Love is demonstrated through valuing others as much as we value ourselves. Mm -hmm. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now, I, I, wanna, I just want to take a moment to talk about this one. I, I checked some of these uh, websites there. Some of them now, you know, you got Facebook pages and all this stuff, and I know because a bunch of y'all, y'all are members on them too. And, and it'll be like the Calhoun County Swapping Shop or the Anniston Online Yard Sale or the, I mean, there's a whole list of them. But I'll see sometimes that when I open those up, somebody will have something and it's like, it'll be like Oakley's. Except instead of being, you know, the sunglasses, instead of being O-A-K-L-E-Y, it'll be like O-K-L-E-Y. And it'll say, you know, Oakley's. And then I'll see like Michael Kors stuff. And I'll see other, and on occasion you will see that somebody will, you know, they'll be nice enough to, to say that it's a knockoff. You know, most people figure out pretty quickly after they have something if it's fake. It looks good to begin with. It looks similar, but usually it just won't last. Let love be genuine. Y'all know when I read things, I always tell y'all, when you read something in Scripture and you see a statement in one direction, then you need to consider the alternative. So if he says, let love be genuine, then it must mean that there can be something that appears to be love, but it is fake. Come on. Otherwise, there would be no reason to make a distinction or a command to say, hey, make sure your love is genuine. Yes. Love that is, that is fake is self-serving. Mm -hmm. It's not the love of Christ who we saw very first scripture, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. I believe that the, the foundational basis, period, of love as demonstrated by God through Christ is being willing to sacrifice ourselves for those that we love. Amen. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hate it. Can't stand it. You say, boy, hate's a strong word. That's absolutely right. If you, you want to look up what that word abhor means, it is, it is a total, just you can't stand it. Don't be able to tolerate in any way that which is evil, but hold fast to what is good. Most people recognize love that's fake. I'm going to share with you this scripture in Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen one. Now, you hold with me. 
How many scriptures have we just read today where you see this same? And here we are now. We're to the church at Colossae. We've had the church at Ephesians. We've had, or, or at Ephesus. We've had the church in, in Galatians. We've had all these. He keeps saying this same stuff because it's what God looks like. It's what God represents. And here's what he says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What are we going to put on? We're going to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to... Let's read that again. Let's just pick the... Here's what you... Now, understand something. He doesn't say this is what God's going to do to you. See, I think sometimes we say, well, you know what? I'm just praying that God will make me more like this. What this scripture says, he says, put on then. There's an implied you. You put on. In other words, there has to be intent. We have to have a desire to be able... Well, for me to decide that I want to put on a compassionate heart means I probably have to evaluate myself and go, hey, my heart's not that compassionate. Right? For me to say, you know what, I need to put on more kindness means I have to look at myself and evaluate and say, you know what, I'm not as kind as I need to be. Doesn't mean that I may look and say, oh, I'm, I'm terribly mean, but it says, hey, I, I want to be even more. I want to be more compassionate. I want to be more kind. I want to have more humility. I want to be more meek. I want to have more patience. This means I have to evaluate myself. So he puts it, it is a responsibility for us as believers. You put on then. As the ones who've been chosen by God, holy and beloved, you need to put these things on. What? You need to put on a compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What if we all got up tomorrow morning and said, okay, God, today, I'm going to be focused. And if we could somehow put a reminder right in front of us all day, every situation that went in, God, I need to be compassionate in this. God, I, I want to show kindness in this. God, let me be, I need to be humble. God, let me be meek. Lord, I, I, I need to show patience in this. Uh, oh, goodness, Lord, I, I need to bear with each other. And you know what? Here he is again saying, there's going to be some complaints that will come up. But when you do, forgive each other. Not because, I, man, this is all the, oh, goodness. This one, is, this one is so tough because the world would tell you, well, if they ask for forgiveness, then forgive them. But you, you, you don't have to forgive somebody that's, that's not sorry for what they've done. How can you forgive somebody that won't ask for forgiveness? That's, that's the world's mindset. That's the mindset that, that happens. But instead, what he says here, he doesn't say forgive them because they made a mistake. He doesn't say forgive them because they asked you to forgive them. He doesn't say to forgive them because it really wasn't all that bad that they did. He says forgive them because God forgave you. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Well, how has the Lord forgiven you? 
I'll tell you how the Lord has forgiven us. The Lord has forgiven us because even while we were yet in sin that Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. I'll tell you how the Lord has loved us because in Romans 7 we see Paul. Y'all know that Romans 7 and 8 is my favorite passage when you start talking about God's love and his forgiveness toward us, not just through salvation. But in Romans 7, we see Paul talking about, he says, he says, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do and who's going to deliver me from this? And he hits 8.1, Romans 8.1, and he says, but there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. They walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. He says, hey, there's no longer condemnation. You're not perfect but you're trying to pursue after God. He says, hey, I forgive you and I give you this eternal forgiveness to the point that I recognize that you aren't perfect. But you're keeping on pressing toward the mark. You're pressing toward that perfection in Christ, which honestly we won't achieve in this lifetime. But yet we're still pushing toward that standard. We're still pushing toward that mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. That's how God has forgiven us. God has forgiven us even though we're going to make mistakes again. So when we start looking at each other and loving each other as God would love us, then we've got to go. Remember the disciples asking Jesus something about this? They said, well, how many times do we have to forgive people? (laughs) Remember, I said here about two weeks ago, I said, sometimes... We, we tend to, within the church world, within Christianity, we tend to breed religious lawyers. We're looking for, well, tell me what the standard is. Although when he tells us a standard about how we're supposed to live, we go, wait a minute. Now, you know, that's not really a hard and fast rule, is it? I mean, you're not really saying that I got to... But then when something is that we don't want to do, we go, well, well can we set a hard and fast rule that it's got to get to here before? Right? Remember the lawyer said, well, who's my neighbor? Well, then the disciples, you know, at one other point, they said, well, how many times have we got to forgive? I mean, what? I mean, you know, and so you start getting all these sevens in, you know, the seven, seventy, or seventy times seven or whatever, you know, and all that stuff. And essentially, he's telling them, you've got to keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. So you're telling me above a compassionate heart, above kindness, above humility, above meekness, above patience, above bearing with one another, above forgiving one another, above all of these, you're saying put on love. Why? Because God is love and you will never accomplish the other things on that list unless you have love. You will not be able to consistently follow through on being patient, on being compassionate, on showing kindness, humility, meekness, bearing with one another and forgiving with one another. You'll never be able to successfully do that on a consistent basis unless above all those things you put on love. And I love the statement because it binds everything together in perfect harmony. The way of love brings peace and brings harmony. But true love cannot be found outside of God, the very source of love. Today, 
you're the only one that knows the condition of these two things. Of your love toward others and the condition of your connection to God, the source of love. I can tell you this. This is a truth. And I've just, I've had to, to learn it and, and I'm, still, I'm still getting better at applying the truth. There's some truths that we know and then we're figuring out how to apply them, right? There's stuff we know that we're, we're still working hard at. That's right. This is what I know. I know that if I'm struggling with demonstrating love toward others, then I need to look back at my connection to my relationship with God. Yes. Because the more of God, remember, Scripture, I must decrease, but He must increase. Yes. See, the more that my relationship with God grows, the more that my connection to Him grows, then the more of Him that will be seen, I will decrease, He will increase. And therefore, God who is love will show up in my life in one very powerful way, and it will be in my love. For one, Jesus even said they will know. By this, they will know that you're my disciples. They'll know it because of your love one for another. You're the only person that knows. You and God know about that second one. Now, people around you, they know about your first one. They know how you demonstrate love toward other people. They know how you demonstrate love toward them. Honestly, sitting here today, and for people that will end up listening to this, they know, uh, those folks know whether they think that you love them or not. No matter what you say, they they know that first one. But your reaction and your connection to God, the source of love, that second one, that is between you and God. Let's pray.